This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Ayelet Mavo is head of ESG for Minute Media, a global content technology company. She heads the company's impact efforts as a socially and culturally involved player. Ayelet also leads on design and measurement of the ESG goals for the company, as well as oversees stakeholder management and government affairs for the group. Her career spans between media, arts and technology in the private sector. She also works within UK government, creating tech hubs in Israel around the world. Ayelet Maver, welcome to ClientSide. Thanks, Nathan. Great to be here. Thanks for that nice intro. I'm looking forward to this chat. Super excited to have you on the show. Let's start by defining what we mean by people, purpose, and profit. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because many people think that there's a contradiction, right, between people, purpose, and profit. And I think there isn't. You know, people today are talking about the fact that uh, the purpose of business has changed because um, private sector has to take part in society. I mean, companies don't live in a silo. And this just isn't a topic anymore. I mean, just for business analysts and consultants, it's coming from customers and employees, too. In the U.S., uh, millennials and Gen Z control over 40% of American purchasing power. Uh, 60% of them say that they want jobs with social impact. They want to work in sustainability-related businesses. So that means that businesses that apply strategies that embrace a wider purpose are more attractive to these customers and they're more attracted to future candidates. And that means that these businesses will show growth in the longer term. So that's profit, purpose, and people for you. So the, the stronger the bonds companies build with their customers and their investors, the bigger and better that they will be. And the reason why people think it's a contradiction, I guess, is because I guess in the early days of capitalism, or even probably even sort of 10 years ago, the reasons why we did work were very different. The reasons why we did work presumably was for a paycheck and a sense of a sense of purpose. But I guess the societal changes that are happening now, as you say, younger people are, are far more driven by socially driven purposes and they see private business as a route to solve some of the challenges that we have that we're facing in the world. Yeah, um, you know, Larry Fink, um, chairman and CEO of BlackRock, uh, he has an annual letter that he sends to his CEOs and, and he sent his 2022 one just last week and he was talking about stakeholder capitalism. So that means that you're not just working for your shareholders any longer as a company. You're working for the whole map of your stakeholders. Um, so in that, you'll find the customers, employees, investors, clients, suppliers. Um, so, so that whole map is something that is redefining the relationship between companies and society. Because in that stakeholder map, um, um, you need to think about the wider society because that already reflects the wider society. We'll, we'll come on and talk about the greenwashing element of this a little bit later, as some people are, are quite cynical, especially about big businesses doing doing this, because a lot of people still have the sort of possibly mistaken idea that public companies and, and large enterprises are still beholden to shareholders and they need to make sure that they deliver a quarterly return. And that always doesn't marry with other social purposes. So we'll come back and talk about that in a, in a moment. But you had impact in ESG at Minute Media, a global content and tech company, as we said in the beginning of the show. Tell us a little bit more about the company and why do they need an ESG lead? 
Yeah, so so as you said, we are a content and technology company uh, with a focus on sports content. So we have platforms where we uh, enable storytellers, passionate storytellers, and we always have a different angle. So we have the fans perspective on our group of uh, websites on, under fan cited our brand. We have the athletes perspective on the Players Tribune. Uh, we have um, um our brand mental flaws shares strange and interesting facts about the world. Um, so all these platforms, though, um, have been, well, we've been using them to also talk about social issues that we care about. And that's something that we've been doing for a while now. Um, there have been dozens of initiatives throughout the years supporting causes around Black Lives Matter, around mental health, um, around climate change, which we're increasingly focusing on. But my role um, as ESG lead is to have a more strategic approach so that we can focus our efforts and be more proactive about building impactful programs uh, that our people and our stakeholders care about. And and could you give us an idea of, of kind of, you know, what some of those examples are? I mean, what are you using to measure your impact here? What What's the goal that you're trying to achieve? So as I said, we're a platform. So we are a media company um, and we enable these stories. So in terms of what we would like to achieve, we want to get stories out. I think that's our responsibility. One of our core values in the company is make an impact. That's a strategic goal for our CEO. Um, that's something that he has always been uh, on board with. Um, I mean, Minute Media is 10 years old. It means that it's still kind of a startup and every startup is meant to make an impact. That's kind of what entrepreneurship is about. Mm. But even 10 years in, this is a core goal for us. So so what we measure is uh, readers um, and audiences that we reach. And uh, we believe that if we're we, we are sending messages um, uh, through our platforms. And if we're using these platforms to to talk about issues that otherwise are not talked about, then I think we're already making the impact that, that we can be proud of and, and filling in our responsibility. But the point is also tackling those issues that are not just popular, but rather those that need attention. Mm. Uh, and we've, we did a lot of that around mental health uh, when COVID was at its hit. And, and on our platform Players Tribune, uh, athletes were talking about their struggle around mental health, which is proven as very impactful for uh, sports fans around the world to, to listen to their kind of role models, if you like, uh, sharing their personal experience and being very vulnerable. So how much of this was driven by the CEO founder from, from the top down and how much of this has been driven from the bottom up from employees? Well, um, I think both, you know, um, that might sound like a cliche, but we, we, we are quite a transparent company. I mean, there's not a lot of hierarchy. Um, uh, yes, a lot is driven from the CEO, but that's always through listening to people in the company. Um, I mean, there's over 500 people in the company now. Each of our people has a family. It has a community that it belongs to. So that's circles of people that we touch upon, right? So, so our CEO is, is a strong believer that saying we have to take part in society. Yes, we have you know, revenue targets. And obviously we have a business model, but we wake up in the morning and we touch these communities that surround our companies. Uh, if you think of a company, you know, you add clients, partners, suppliers, investors, the whole stakeholder, each of them also have their circle of people. So, so, so you are a player in society when you lead a company like this. So, so he's very, very focused on saying impact is a strategy for us. Um, and it's part of the core business. Maybe you can tell us the differences then between CSR and ESG, because I think there's still some confusion out there. You know, where does CSR end and, and where does ESG begin? 
Yeah, um, all these acronyms, right? Um, um, so, I mean, listen, CSR has always been amazing, right? It's been built with the best intentions, certainly of those that have been leading these initiatives over the years, building impactful programs for society and the communities that we just mentioned around companies. Um, I think what ESG has done is, first of all, it added a risk mitigation mindset, right? So ESG is about measuring and combating the risk that a company faces in terms of its environmental, social, and governance uh, issues. And when you say risk, um, then you start to get the attention of financial markets and management boardrooms. Um, so because uh, uh, risk is associated with with the potential growth of the business and, and risk is measurable, uh, financial markets are used to measuring risk rather than measuring positive impact, which is what uh, CSR um, uh, was it, uh, originally doing. Um, so basically, ESG has created a new understanding that the company's involvement in social and environmental issues will have a direct impact on um, on the company's growth because, um, as we said, it is perceived among its stakeholders more positively, uh, which means that it would uh, uh, it has more potential to growth. So all that to say that these initiatives are now higher on the company's agenda than ever before, and and they're gaining more bandwidth on the company's daily operations. Whenever there's a commercial impact on the business, senior leaders sit up and, and take notice, don't they? Exactly. And, you know, back to our original point of profit and people and planet. So um, what I love about ESG is that it is talking positively about um, uh, the ability of companies to affect people and planet uh, rather than saying, if we don't do this, then uh, we might affect our profit. But whatever gets management attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all for it. Definitely. So, <laughs> so as I said earlier, there are lots of companies out there now doing ESG or are trying to do ESG, but I guess don't want to be labeled as greenwashing because that comes with a whole lot of negative uh, connotations and, 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 and bad press, which can also be damaging. How do companies that are really genuine and have the best of intentions do this properly? How can they talk about their activities in a way that isn't perceived as greenwashing and, and isn't disingenuous in any way? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, there there's a paradox of brands, right, that don't talk about what they do for the fear of being perceived as greenwash, but then there are the ones that only talk and don't do, <laughs> which, um, I mean, I'm a big believer in doing first. Um, uh, it's, again, entrepreneurial mindset, just, you know, run off and do stuff. Um, but we all know that if you don't communicate what you're doing, you're missing on half the value that you create, right? Because talking about it is what creates more impact. So, and even a good internal communication plan of a company's impact activities um, can go a long way in building their employees' trust as well and the sense of purpose. Um, but that's even more true when you talk about external communication. I mean, I think the key is in vulnerability. It's okay not to get everything right. Most companies do uh, make mistakes and are getting a million things wrong. But companies should be proud of trying because if anything, it encourages others to try as well. So so I'm all, I'm all for uh, talking about what you do and, and not being shy, but but only if you do something. You, you did say before that, quote, the approach businesses should take to ESG should be the same that businesses took to innovation 10 years ago. Explain that. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a lot from my personal experience, but I just see a lot of uh, equivalent. Um, so I worked in um, uh, in innovation and tech for the last ten years, and and I see so much similarity um, today around impact to what I saw. Um, we all saw around uh, the trend around innovation, emerging technologies that spurred after the two thousand eight financial crisis. Um, 
I mean, I was uh, part of London's tech city uh, when it was born in 2010, where corporates were hiring chief innovation officers who were trying to figure out what that title even meant. Um, mm -hmm. And we saw back then, and definitely since, that it is the companies that were willing to take risks and that weren't afraid to fail. Uh, those were the companies that made the real leapfrogs, right? So, so the companies that took time to build five-year strategies, get their board, the board sign-offs, get everyone on board, they were they left they were left behind. Uh, those that acted quicker, even if they made small experimental programs, they were the ones that attracted the best talent, got to work with the most innovative startups. Uh, they tried and that uh, startups that tried and failed, and then they were part of the company culture to try and fail. Um, companies that understood that if they fail quickly, uh, pick themselves up and they will learn from their mistakes. Um, I mean, you know, great example is ASOS. Someone might remember uh, um, uh, amongst your listeners that uh, uh, they used to be a small e-commerce startup, uh, but today they're huge, right? They just bought Topshop last year. Uh, so, um, so companies that were agile and nimble and weren't afraid of making mistakes uh, took the high road and 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 succeeded. And and all that to say that I think it's the same with Impact Now. Uh, no one has really figured it out. Uh, there and there's no one day to do sustainability. It's a process that we're all learning. Uh, the point is to try different strategies and see what works best for your business and what brings the most impact to your stakeholders and to your communities. What have you learned about how to deliver impact for an organization that aligns with their value proposition and what they do best? It's, it's um, I would say it's a relatively straight line between what you do at Minute Media, creating sports content and communicating about all of your ESG activities, but it may be slightly harder for businesses in, in other industries and in other sectors to draw that line. What's your advice there? Um, well, I mean, I'm a big believer in using your assets as a company to do good beyond your core revenue. I think that goes a long way. It's my favorite kind of philanthropy uh, because it uses people's uh, creativity and uses their day jobs, basically. So it's probably using what they're best at. Um, and, it, and it also brings activities closer to the business's day to day. Um, so back to that management attention that, that you want to keep um, uh, management with their eyes on the ball. Um, it, it takes community involvement out of the hands of companies' volunteering committee and into the company's strategy department, right? So, so it's uh, it, it's it's the, it becomes a strategic agenda for the company, um, and this could mean providing a customized version of your tech platform, but for NGOs, right? Or, or as you said, in in our company, that means creating content, which we do anyway, but we dedicate editorial efforts around social issues we care about. Um, I think that if it's done well, it can lead to more commercial business too, uh, which is a nice added bonus. Um, and it also feeds into the company's purpose. Really, really interesting. And what have you learned so far at your time at Minute Media about how best to implement and orchestrate an impact strategy? Well, the first thing we did is that uh, I interviewed, I think, everyone in the company to see what they care about, right? So so uh, I wanted to drive uh, whatever we choose to stand behind uh, really from from the bottom um, and see that this is not just a CEO agenda, but rather reflects people's daily purpose. Um, and then when when uh, I um, 
uh, took all those opinions and, and tried to, you know, uh, put them in some kind of coherent strategy. It wasn't actually very hard to to find common differences because we are a group of people with with shared passion already. So so that allowed us to focus on some specific topics that we will be focusing on, uh, amongst with our racial equality um, and and women's participation. Uh, we're going to do a lot around climate change uh, because I think it's time for us to play our part too when it comes to the climate crisis and 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 this is something that we be, we will be doing a lot on. Um, but then the point would be, when I say doing, is also to get different parts of the business engaged with uh, an impact strategy so that it's not just a comms uh, spin, but rather, as we said, using our assets correctly. So in our case, that means our editorial teams uh, will be on board and our commercial teams will be taking this out to client pitches and our operations team will be uh, uh, working to monetize that content in the same way that they would of any other kind. Um, and, and I think that, uh, that's, uh, uh, really inspired by companies that just have impact in everything they do, uh, which is, which is something to, to aspire to. And, and what do you do with those people who, who say that, you know, these issues for whatever reason, isn't a concern for them, isn't a priority. Maybe they've got, um, other priorities that maybe are, are quite, are quite niche and, and, and aren't as, as mainstream as the, as the ones that we've spoken about so far. How do you still involve those people, get them on board? Because the worst thing that we can do is sort of ostracize other people in the company because they don't share our our view of the future. Yeah, sure. I mean, in that sense, that's why it was um, uh, important for me to to kind of lead that review and, and ask people what they care about. But you're right, there will always be those that, you know, just doesn't touch upon them uh, in the company. Um, in that sense, um, I what I try to do is have kind of more than one issue that we stand for, if you like, uh, so that people can find what they'd like to do. But, uh, but at the end of the day, um, even the issues that we will be treating as under impact will mean that there will be other ways. Uh, so, Part of our work will be on the core business, but then another part would be on community involvement. So if we will be tackling climate change on an educational level to reach uh, sports audiences on on details on the, uh, on the crisis and what they can do about it, we will also be running community events and volunteer activities for people in the company that might like to participate in another way. And those that don't is fine too. Um, uh, it's, they won't get less management attention. Uh, this is about creating purpose for the company, uh, but it has to be on a positive way. So it's it's very voluntary participation. What's the most inspiring impact story that you've heard from a company who has delivered this well? What's a great story that you can share with us? Yeah, wow. There's so many that I look up to, you know, um, well, a good example that I just saw recently is, uh, is for a company called AccuWeather, um, which many people know, uh, provide uh, details and data about weather. Um, and, and I think it's a good example of a company that used their assets so well because they just they took the data that they collect on weather, uh, but launched it into a docu-series, uh, which they called Our Changing World, um, and and built it, uh, used it to build a narrative around the consequences of extreme weather and connected that to climate change. Um, and I found it to be a really impactful, uh, impactful way to tell a story, uh, which I'm looking at because that's kind of our business too. Um, another great example is is Pangaya. So Pangaya are fantastic. They're an e-commerce business um, that sells clothes, but they have taken every opportunity they could to build their impact story. So everything they do is impactful. So they make clothes um, out of recyclable material. They use color for their threads, which is eco-friendly. Uh, but then they also built a whole platform to educate 
fundraise, build awareness. Um, it's just be- really beautiful work uh, where they took a product and managed to spin it in so many ways uh, to create impact. Love that. I mean, well, sorry, my my favorite example must be Walby Parker. So so they're they've been around for a while. What do they do? So they say they sell uh, glasses, right? So they have uh, a model where you can uh, uh, order uh, glasses online and try them out. And their claim to fame is that they have a buy one give one model. So every glass, a pair of glasses that you buy, um, the company buys another one. But one other thing that people don't know about their model is that they also train uh, ophthalmologists in third world countries. To, to give eye tests, uh, companies such as India um, and, and others in Asia. And that way they create new jobs and income streams for those people. Mm. But by the way, they are also creating a new distribution channel for their own product. So uh, um, it's, it's kind of a win-win for the business and, and the planet. Really clever, really clever. What I've taken away so far from this conversation that's been personally impact, impactful for me is making your impact strategy part of your strategic initiative so everyone at a board level at a senior level is is sort of tasked with the responsibility of doing this and then also the approach to innovation the you know the whole idea of sort of iterating there is no plan there is no um sort of outlined strategy for you know for this that, that people can look at sort of a 10 point checklist it's a case of kind of iterating seeing what works and then revising that what what parting words of wisdom would you give a senior executive that's listened to this now that is probably slightly earlier in their journey? What parting words of wisdom would you share with them about how best to implement an impact strategy? Wow. So, I mean, uh, yeah, not uh, trying to be the wise, <laughs> the wise man in the room, but, but I had, uh, had some experience in, in impactful programs. Uh, I worked for government for the last 10 years and everything we did was around choosing, uh, uh, areas to focus on that would make the most impact because that's what you you do in in government. So so even before impact was a sector, that's kind of what we did. Mm. Um, but but you know what we did, and this all relating to your question, what I would advise is is to really spend time mm-hmm. to find areas that that you would uh, make the most impact. So so finding those market gaps uh, rather than uh, hopping on trends is is really worth the effort because at the end of the day. Uh, your bandwidth is limited and uh while we're in the business of impact you might as well choose areas where where you will have the most impact in it might not feel very popular maybe at first uh but but it's worth worth the work i mean when i was in government we worked with banks before even somebody even people said fintech uh we worked with clean tech startups before there was breakdown to water tech clean energy electric cars food tech it was kind of just clean tech so it was it was before it was trendy but uh we took the time to identify that there is opportunity. Um, and I think that that's worth spending time on. Love that. And just last question before we end, what are some of the causes that are most personally impactful to you from an ESG perspective? What are the things that that you're really, really passionate about that you can share with us? Since COP26, uh, I've been obsessed with climate crisis. I think that had a huge uh, impact on me, um, especially when it clicked for me uh, where I understood that uh, the world of sports fans, what is it, 1.6 billion sports fans around the world, um, these are audiences that are probably not really paying attention to green policy uh, campaigners. Um, and I've just been obsessed with uh, trying to find a way for our company to to reach those audiences, to use our platforms to reach those audiences and talk about uh, the severity of the climate crisis. So I will be spending a lot of time this year to talk uh, to talk 
to our audiences or to help our company talk to our audiences about this, um, especially because when you think about climate crisis and and what it might affect um, the world of sports, um, sports is an outdoor activity. Uh, so if that is not clear enough, then <laughs> you can just start imagining um, snow melting, sure. ice breaking, uh, stadiums flooding, uh, long summers that will push leagues into later in the year, can- uh, games canceled, fans not being able to reach their uh, their game. So, so there's a lot to be uh, cautious about if you're a sports fan. Um, and, and we will be talking a lot about that in the media this year. And look, by the way, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on, on sports, um, events being cancelled, sporting events being cancelled. Uh, you know, aside from, you know, understanding kind of the origins of, of COVID-19, but the fact that we've had to experience this has, mean, has meant huge disruption for sports fans all over the world. Yeah, and uh, and this is you know everybody wants to see us on the other side of COVID nineteen, right? Um, and I think many of us are starting to understand this is something to start to live with. But the consequences of that mean that many things that we were used to might not come back. And 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 if you're a sports fan, that is unacceptable. Uh, sports has saved us in so many ways. You know, we have to go go out and save sports. So if we can do something about the climate, um, that's uh, more than we could have done for COVID-19, um, then, then I think people should wake up and do something about it. Ailet, thank you so much for doing this. This was really interesting. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear as a guest on the show, please email zoe at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Jennifer Brennan, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Alibaba. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.